Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast, crossover edition with Alex Frank. He is the host of Locked On Bearcats, covering all things Cincinnati. And today we're going to look back at the 2020-2022 season that was for the Bearcats and then look forward to the Big 12 move that Bearcat football is about to make. Thoughts on the season, the coaching change now from Luke Fickle to Scott Satterfield and more coming up on the show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LO Big 12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find Alex Frank at Frankie underscore N-N-A-I-T-I. And also you guys can find him Locked On Bearcats. Make Locked On Big 12 and Locked On Bearcats your first slash second listen in whatever order you'd like to every single day. Find us also on YouTube as well and please subscribe. Um, so Alex, I guess the, the big the the big hullabaloo was the awkward, but not really so awkward, um, bowl game this past week between Louisville and Cincinnati. I think it was much to do about nothing, really, to be honest. Uh, we had you know we had Scott Satterfield Skype in during the game, right? Talk a little bit, but that's the big news here, right? It's tough to read into a bowl game when both the teams are going through coaching transitions. Obviously, Louisville you know, is losing Scott Satterfield to Cincinnati. And then Louisville also is acquiring Jeff Brom from Purdue. So your thoughts, um, you know, on the new hire and really, was it actually that awkward of a, of a, of a game when, you know, everybody said it was going to be. Well, first of all, Josh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on as always looking forward to, I, I, I can, can we say that the Bearcats are now officially members of the Big 12, at least on the football front um, because their season ended on Saturday. So Happy to be here. Um, I, I, I think I'll, I'll talk about the hire first in Scott Satterfield. It's obviously a hire that is out of left field. Um, John Cunningham kept this coaching search close to the vest, just like he did with Wes Miller in men's basketball. But I think what I love the most about it is he's a former quarterback. And I think when you're a former quarterback, you have an understanding of the entire team. And you look at what he did at Louisville, he rebuilt that program. And then what he did at Appalachian State, he got that team to the FBS. He was a part of the staff with Armani Edwards that upset Michigan in 2007. So he has a good background. He comes from a Power 5 school, which is something that I wanted. And the fact that he is already, you know, two big moves he's already made, retain Kerry Combs, um, that's really, really important. And then keeping Brady Drogosh committed to Cincinnati. I think those are two really important moves that he's made so far that only are going to benefit this program. Now, the bowl game on Saturday was really, really awkward, more awkward than I envisioned. Um, I said this on my show yesterday. I hope to never have to recap a game like that again. You had players change numbers before the game. You had players change numbers during the game. You had six, the top six pass catchers or six of the top pass catchers for Cincinnati out for Evan Prater, he struggled. The Bearcats defense didn't, you know, they weren't the Bearcats defense that we know. They got shredded. Louisville only had three full-time coaches coaching in the game. So just, I mean, a, a, a kind of a dud way to end a season that we entered with so much promise for the Bearcats. Um, but going back to the hire, I think Scott Satterfield has handled everything the first. He got hired December 5th. Today's December 21st, um, early signing day across college football. 
So in the first 17 days, or really 18 days, if you want to count December 4th, 18 days he's been on the job. I, I don't think there's anything that he's done that Bearcats fans can, you know, um, hold up their hands and say, well, I don't like this. You know, I told you this wasn't going to work out. I'm optimistic this is going to work out. I, I love Luke Fickle. I, what he did for the university, no question, was um, impeccably great. But at the same time, I did wonder, and I think I even wondered this before Luke Fickle ultimately left to take the Wisconsin job, was the Bearcats' style of play under Luke Fickle going to be conducive to winning in the Big 12? Because if you watch the Bearcats this year offensively, it was a struggle every single game. Josh, the Bearcats did not score 30 or more points in a game after week five. And that's an offense that in 2021, there were only three occasions in the regular season prior to the playoff game against Alabama. Three games and th- three times in 13 games, they didn't score above 30 points. Notre Dame was one of them. They won that game. Navy and Tulsa were the others. So a step back for the offense this past year, the defense was good, but they were leaky at times. So maybe as much as people were upset Luke Fickle left, maybe the time is right here for a change. I'm optimistic to what Satterfield can bring. I'm excited to join the Big 12 at a Power 5 level, a new television deal. Looking forward to that, playing on much bigger stages instead of a half-full or 3,000-seat temple crowd at Lincoln Financial Field. Looking very forward to that. Yeah, it's it's a great point on a lot of those things. And, and yeah, and, I mean, you, you mentioned all this stuff now, right? I guess watching the game, and I know they mentioned some stuff on, on the broadcast, but like, I guess that stuff didn't come through as much, right? I, and I also transition is one of those bowl games where you just kind of throw everything out because everybody's going through so much. Um, but, you know, it's we have to, like, like you mentioned, like the next game Cincinnati plays is going to be a, in football, it's going to be as a member of the Big 12 Conference. And look, I think the fact that they were able to poach a sitting Power 5 coach was was good for the program. It is, it is somebody who's accustomed to playing, uh, you know, having their teams play at that level. And, you know, I, I think um, your point about the transition, it, you know, if I, I actually think this applies to current Big 12 schools also. Like, we've been having a huge conversation about West Virginia right now, right? And Neil Brown and his station there and whether or not um, this would be the right time for West Virginia to pull the trigger on a, on a, on a change there. And, look, I'd rather be Cincinnati making the change now than West Virginia waiting a year, right? Because the big 12 is changing next year. And um, yeah, maybe West Virginia wants to see where they are, but you know, I'd rather have a, the new coach in place ready for the new big 12, as opposed to one year in the new big 12 and then have to reset after figuring things out. And let's be honest, you know, it, it always seemed like it was pretty awesome that Luke fickle was going to be a big 12 coach, um, I always thought he was going to be one of the best three Big 12 coaches if if he actually made it, right? Um, this was always a pretty real possibility, right? This was always a pretty real reality that eventually, and look, Cincinnati did a great job keeping him, but some massive job was going to come knocking after the success that he had. I mean, what was it? It was 12-1, and 13-1, and one, and then 9-3, and three, back to back to back. Uh, somebody else was going to come knocking in Wisconsin with the Big Ten money. We know how big that television deal is going to be for the Big Ten. It was inevitability. So I would say, and I'm not sure if you agree with this or not, like if if you were going to have a coaching transition, now is probably the time to do it, not like one year into the new Big 12. 
Well, that's an int- several points to bring up there, Josh, that I'll uh, um, piggyback off of. I I think your point about we always thought Luke Fickle would be a, a head coach in the Big 12. I'm trying to find this. Um, Max Olson, who covers college football for The Athletic, um, he did a poll of the Big 12 current and future teams. This was back in March. And I think that Luke Fickle had the most – I don't want to say anything that I don't know – definitively but like it was something along the lines of which fan base had the most comments in their head coach and Luke Fickle was number one and so that really got me and a lot of Bearcat fans excited but the thing too is to your point about Neil Brown in West Virginia and this is something John Cunningham director of athletics at Cincinnati does John Cunningham um and, and obviously Luke Fickle leaving was his decision but the thing I think about is there's a mantra at Cincinnati, next lives here. And let's be honest, this is a transition for not only a football program, but a basketball program and a university. The University of Cincinnati is now going to be a Big 12 program. That doesn't just mean for athletics. That means if you're a student in high school, if, if you're, when, when, you're, when you're looking to go to school, you are now thinking about going to a Power 5 school that is on the map. And Luke Fickle's legacy, it's way more than just putting the program on the map. He took it to new heights, heights that no one ever imagined. So his legacy is that. And it is disappointing. I do would um, to, I do wish he would have stayed to coach in the Big 12. I think we all do. But at the same time, you know, the Bearcats understand that they're going into a conference that's going to be much more competitive than the American. I mean, I look at the Big 12 standings this year, and I'm sure you can agree with me on this. The only team that really felt out of it, two teams, Iowa State and West Virginia. Outside of that, I mean, it was a pretty dang competitive conference. And I watched the Big 12 championship, Kansas State and TCU. And I'm seeing, like, yes, we think the Big 12 is spread offense and chucking the ball around 50 times a game. No, it's not. It's can you play defense? It's can you run the football? And Kansas State showed that. So – I, I think Scott Satterfield, if he can recruit the area of Cincinnati well, I was going to mention this in our first question, Walter Stewart being retained. Huge retainment by Scott Satterfield. You know, he hasn't had a lot of experience recruiting the Cincinnati area, which is a hotbed for football. But I think retaining guys like Harry Combs and Walter Stewart, who know this area as well as anybody, I think is going to really help. you got to continue to do what's been an identity for this program the last um, 20 years. But at the same time, you're going into the future. Scott Satterfield has recruiting in Georgia and California, and those are two football states, as we know. So it is interesting to think about, yes, we wanted Luke Fickle to coach in the Big 12, but also we're going into the future. Maybe you need someone. And Luke Fickle is a trench guy in the trenches. I get all that. But Scott Satterfield being a former quarterback, I think that's what you need going into the Big 12. I, I, I'm i a firm believer you can win with a defensive or offensive-minded coach. Look at Chris Kleiman at Kansas State in the NFL. Look at Sean McDermott. But at the same time, I do think having an offensive-minded head coach, quarterback head coach, and this is no knock on Luke Fickle. This is praising Scott Satterfield's background. I think it's going to be um, hugely beneficial for the Bearcats. I'm trying to find that. Um, it was a Big 12, Big 12 fan survey. Here we go. Um, so the question was, Josh, how would you rate your happiness with your team's head coach right now on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the happiest? Luke Fickle got a 
9.96. So that shows you how much them in Cincinnati. Now, how much fans love Scott Satterfield? I just think, Josh, fans around the Bearcats, and it's been going on since this season, how it was happening. They have higher expectations for this program, and that's totally fine. I do too. But understand that this program has only been in the playoff. One, I'm not trying to knock on their success. They got to sustain it. And so for me, be optimistic. Give Scott a chance. If you're going to hold him, if you're going to compare him to Luke Fickle all the time, that's that's not good to do, right? Luke Fickle is one of one. Des Ritter is one of one. Give Scott Saturday a chance. I'm optimistic. You can say, well, I don't like this. He hasn't coached a game yet. He won't coach a game until September 2nd. That's I'll do the math when while you talk. I've gone on a tangent here, but it, just a lot of interesting points you bring up there. The Bearcats have their head coach for the Big 12, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think the one one big thing for them as they move in is that they do have the defense figured out, right? Um, and, and we saw – actually, I think a good comp for them, and I'm not saying there is, they're like this team in the sense of, um, you know, how the offense went. But Iowa State this year – if you look at how their season played out, yes, they won four games. But but that being said, we said this the entire season. If they had scored at least 20 points in eight of their in all of their games this year, right? At least 20 points in all of their games, they would have been um an eight-win football team. And that was actually that was 11 weeks into the season. Cincinnati, I know they didn't they're not facing the quality of defense or quality of offense rather that that you know, you face in the big 12, but Cincinnati has a top 25 defense and they're retaining their defensive coordinator, Kerry Coombs, as you mentioned, right? That is huge. And so normally I, I start a lot of this out on the offensive side of things, but I think for Cincinnati with the head coaching change, obviously offensive transition, we'll get to that. But the big calling card for them, I think starting off in this league is I actually think it's the Iowa state model. I think it is you can be competitive in a bunch of games in this league and be close. And as long as you're within striking distance, you can win the games. I know Matt Campbell, close game record. We we joke about it all the time. But there is a path, a pathway for Cincinnati to come in this league and immediately be pretty good. Um, are they what are they on schematics for defense? I believe right there running, is it a what, four three? Three uh three three five, they're on the three three five. So they're actually ready to go, aren't they? Well, they ran a three-three. I mean, they ran a three-three-five for the better part of the last four years. Now, what Bryant? Now, what um new defensive coordinator coming over from Wisconsin, Scott Satterfield? Um, what um, you know, I don't even have his name here. Um, what whatever defense we run under Scott Satterfield is going to be interesting to find out. I I think what you're I think going into the Big 12, I, I've said it. I don't think a 3-3-5 is going to work I, I, I because teams are going to still run the football on you. I think what you need to do is um, go maybe 3-4, maybe go 4-3. you got to have someone coming off the edge. And now, you could, you could run the 3-3-5 in the Big 12, man. A lot of the schools, a lot of schools do it. It's what Iowa State okay, runs. It's, it's what teams for a long time yeah, and yeah. Look, i, I think so people Brian are a little Brown. afraid of it i think people are a little a little afraid of it but if you run it the right way if, if you, you know and i was yeah. going to this if you run it the right way you can be if you you can be effective now the reason why you run a 335 is so you can have 
enough personnel on the field, obviously a linebacker in the secondary to account for passing attacks like you see with Oklahoma State, like you see right now at Texas Tech. Sure. But I mean, once again, like, you know, there we mentioned a lot of these teams want to run the football a la Kansas State, uh, Baylor last year, Oklahoma State the year before. And, uh, you know, and TC want to run the football a lot this year, too. Yeah. 3-5 still can be pretty effective. Now, it wasn't, you know, in Iowa State's case against TC. A, a lot of defenses weren't effective against TC this year. Yeah. And maybe it can still be effective in the Big 12, like you're saying. I'm just not a huge proponent of it. Brian Brown, new defensive coordinator, coming over with Scott Satterfield. It'll be interesting to see what he brings uh, and what Cincinnati looks like defensively. They're losing Noah Potter, who was a four-star commit transfer last year. Obviously, you don't really know what's going to happen with the Pace brothers. Um, So it's going to be a defense that Wilson Huber's gone after this year. He's, he was a six-year senior, so I'm interested in seeing what this defense looks like because a lot of names that you've known over the years, obviously Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, they went on to the NFL. I just am interested in seeing what they, who the personnel is and what they look like um, going into year one in the Big 12. Let's talk about the offense. So I think a big question here on the offensive side of the ball is is that quarterback, right? People had a lot of hope for Evan Prater, and I know that they kind of split time with him and Ben Bryant this year. And I know there's a lot of excitement over the the four-star Brady Drogosh who is coming in. Um, what do you think the Bearcats are going to do with the offensive situation? Now, I think this is – you can almost kind of compare this to an NFL-type situation, Right. Evan Prater was not the handpicked QB by Scott Satterfield and the staff. They're going to inherit Evan Prater, who is a very talented kid. Um, what do you think is going to be the strategy next year for them at quarterback? Do you think it's going to be they're going to bring in a portal guy to go in the competition or maybe even somebody they can you know, give the job to? Do, what do you think happens with that position? Because obviously we know it's important, and obviously we know it was not a – it was not a um, you know – it was not a clear cut picture this year with how things went at that quarterback position for Cincinnati. It's going to be one of the most fascinating storylines, if not the most this off season, because here you have Evan Prater. He came in with all these accolades and pedigree and through two starts, you're left wondering, can he be the guy? Now you're fair to say, well, it's only been two starts. You're also fair to say, well, he hasn't wowed us yet. So there is that. And to be honest with you, Josh, I, I really don't know. I want to think Evan Prater is going to be given the opportunity to be the starter next year. Now, he obviously has to stay. You have to remember Brady Drogosh is coming, so he could win the job next year. I I don't really – I mean, I think it's still way, way too early to tell. I mean, you don't know what Ben Bryant is going to do. Obviously, he was attached to Luke Fickle for four of his five years. Same too with Evan Prater. Now, Prater starting the bowl game, I, I think, would lead me – maybe some others to say, well, he's going to stay. I really don't know, though, because you don't know if Prater, Prater and Brian were fickle recruits. Do they then just leave and then it's Brady Drogosh's turn? I don't know. But what I do know is um, the the last two games, you you have some uncertainties because throughout the season, fans clamored for Prater to play more and start. I was one of them. But I but the first two games we've seen from Prater have been dreadful. He has not been great in the ball. He's been sacked eight times. Um, he did not run the ball well in the Fenway Bowl. He ran the ball well against Tulane, 
and that offered you some hope, but he's got to get better at throwing. And plain and simple. I mean, he missed several throws against Tulane, and um, he only attempted 15 passes in the Fenway Bowl. I expected that. But at the same time, um, there, there's definitely some questions. At a position, the Bearcats have been pretty stable out the last four years with, you know, prior to this year with Desmond Ritter. And even though Ben Bryan won the job in fall camp, you know, it never was definitively his because you held him in such a regard that if he didn't throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns a game, you automatically wanted Evan Prater to start. And that's totally fine. I said that in the offseason. That's how Ben Bryan was going to be viewed. But now that you've seen two subpar performances from Prater, you're like, um, okay, well, we're going to the Big 12 next year. Where do we go with this? Because because you're not going to be playing a road game at Temple. You're going to be playing a road game at uh, on a much bigger scale in the Big 12. And it's going to be interesting to see when the schedule comes out where the Bearcats are going. And you're still facing teams like UCF and Houston. UCF beat the Bearcats earlier this year. So it's the it's probably the most fascinating storyline this offseason because the team will go as the quarterback goes. It's a miracle in of itself they won nine games this year with Ben Bryant. Could they have won more if Prater had started? Maybe. I also attribute it to the offensive line not being as good as we thought. So there's a lot at stake here for the Bearcats when it comes to the quarterback position. Now, we don't know yet who's going to be the offensive coordinator. That's a big question mark. So there definitely is a lot of questions that need to be answered. And we're going to talk about this more coming up, the 22 season for the Bearcats. Um, It was a frustrating season in one regard, and I'll explain why. Josh, after we tell you, if we have, do we have an overlay for a bet online? I know this is a crossover. Um, Yeah, I got one. Don't worry. I can put it up here. Okay, we do. Okay. So Josh is going to put that on the screen. There we go. This episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Bet Online. So betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, we've got it all at betonline.net. Right now, tonight, we've got a game at 9 o'clock. The New Orleans Bowl in the Superdome, South Alabama against Western Kentucky. Right now, South Alabama, a four-and-a-half-point favorite over-under. Currently, 56, you can head there and make a wager on that game. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, thank All you right. for making lockdown. This, oh, oh, sorry, Josh, go, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say thank you for making this edition, this lockdown crossover edition between lockdown Big 12 and lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure to check out lockdown sports today for your second listen to the biggest stories around the sports world. In 20 minutes or less, plus instant actions, game recaps, and Lockdown's take of the day, Lockdown Sports Today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I want to ask you about uh, what Cincinnati is dealing with right now, transfer portal-wise, right? Anytime you see coaching transition, there's going to be a lot of this, but they are they are really getting hit pretty hard and a lot of good players, right? 12 guys currently in the portal. Um I, I think it's safe. And look, the recruiting class are trying to salvage as much of it as possible. I think it's pretty safe to say that nine and three, I know Cincinnati fans view that as come somewhat of a, a regression, right? 
um, and I'm not going to count the bowl game. So nine and three year for them. Right. Um, pretty safe to say that year one of the big 12, like, you know, if you're picking which team you want to be uh, Cincinnati out of all the teams probably has the least amount when it comes to continuity, because you're losing a coach, you're getting a new coach, you're losing a bunch of players, you're losing, you know, quarterback, you know, if you have a quarterback situation, you're losing a bunch of really, once get really good players in the portal. Um, so is it safe to say that while Cincinnati, I think geographically speaking is in a great spot. And obviously because of success level that we've seen with Luke Fickle, there is a proven track record of what you can accomplish there. So there's still obviously a lot of hope if you get the right person in for the job. Uh, there needs to be some trepidation about what 2023 looks like because of what they are losing. And the you know trying to retain a recruiting class is pretty difficult to do if you are Scott Satterfield just coming in like this. No, there's no question. And this is a lot of uncharted territory, uncertain territory for Bearcat fans, including myself because we're so used to continuity, like you said. And I think having a new head coach and not really sure what he's going to bring, it does create some uncertainty and some anxiety for a lot of Bearcat fans. But I think what you, and obviously the transfer portal, you're losing Jaden Thompson, you're losing Mario Eugenio, you're losing, I mean, you've got a lot of players in there, more than two I just had, players like Malik Elzey and Amari Snowden and Braden Moore all decommit or reopen their commitments, et cetera. So, or reopen their recruitment, I should say. So there's definitely a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety, and you really feel like that all, all the work the Bearcats did to build up the class of 2023 is starting to unravel a little bit. But at the same time, keeping Kerry Combs on staff, keeping Walter Stewart on staff, that's going to help. I do think in John Garcia Jr., who we have on our the Locked On College channel a lot, director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated, me a few weeks ago, the Bearcats can survive a smaller signing class this year. I think they can. Because if anything, what Luke Fickle did, Josh, was he raised the standard for what you could accomplish here. The bare minimum for Cincinnati should be 8-4 and four next year in the Big 12. Um, no longer is it, well, new head coach comes in, we're probably going to go 4-8. and eight. Well, that, you know, that doesn't get you anywhere. But ultimately, I think what, what I'm looking forward to is seeing just a different look Bearcats team. They're going to look different. Do they keep their ground and pound identity and their defensive identity? Maybe they do. But I think that's what's defined this program for the last 20 years, and I think you'll still see that. But maybe they're going to be more up-tempo. And I think, you know, they're going after players in the transfer portal. I haven't seen if um, Tyrese Chambers down in uh, Florida International, he has he's a big-time receiver in, in the portal. That's a target for the Bearcats. I think name is big time, by the way. So just being able to land. I mean, the Bearcats just got a transfer from uh, Penn yesterday, an offensive lineman from Penn. I don't remember how to pronounce his last name. Uh, there we go. Trevor uh, Radicevich. So an offensive lineman committing to um, Cincinnati. Second transfer for Cincinnati under Scott Satterfield, Luke Kandra being the first offensive lineman from Louisville, former uh, Elder Panther, which is a, a high school in Cincinnati. So I, the hometown movement, the hometown hero movement thing, which is, you know, a, a, a embody Cincinnati recruitment, I think that's, a, you know, hope continues, but you also got to expand your reach a little bit because you're in the Big 12 now. And recruits know the Big 12 more than they know the American. They want to go play in the Big 12. 
So you got to target areas like Texas. You got to target areas like Florida. You got to target areas like even all the way as far as Colorado and California because the Big 12, Josh, runs from West Virginia to Utah. So that, to me, is what I'm seeing here. You got to – I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the Big 12 does this with recruiting. All right, Alex Frank, where can people find you and your work in all of its variety? So we're on Twitter at LockedOnCats. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty. Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore. And uh, you can also email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Alex Frank, Locked On Bearcats. Appreciate your time. Josh, thank you.